Hello and welcome to another mining podcast with me, Paul Harris and Joe Mazumda. Good afternoon, Joe. Happy 2022. Good afternoon, uh, Paul. Yeah, this will be the, the first one of a new year. How's it going? Oh, going well. A bit of a slow start to, to news this week, but uh, seems to be picking up. Um, a lot of things to talk about, obviously starting a new year. So everybody's starting the year very positive, looking forward to better things to come. Uh, metals prices have had a bit of a, a mixed start to the year. Um, but let's... Uh, talk about let's let's talk about what, what it's all about money at the end of the day and um, last year 2021 was actually a good year in terms of uh, mining companies being able to raise money uh, in the capital market so why, why don't we start there yeah i mean we saw a big increase in financings uh for junior and intermediate companies according to the s p uh, global market intelligence you know, 30% increases in gold and base metals, but, um, you know, more of an increase in specialty commodities as well, driving that, uh, 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 those expiration uh, uh, funding, well, funding going to juniors and intermediates, and juniors are obviously using that uh, for expiration. Looked at that for the subscribers in the first letter of the, the year just last week, uh, what we also... Uh, tried to look at was, you know, not only where was the money going to, which companies, but interestingly, you know, how they were spending it and which commodities they were spending it in. And, uh, you know, there, there's some interesting trends in there that, you know, the, the question is, do those trends continue into 2022? Well, looking at the data, some of the data you published in uh, Exploration Insights, the last issue, um, gold was a, a big beneficiary of uh, fundraising last year. There was a, a big window opened up and opened up for quite a long time. So uh, uh, quite, I think, 59% uh, of the funds raised were for gold last year. And you're the majority of expiration budgets, uh, you know, uh, 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 for a long time, because juniors tend to prefer gold because it's uh, easier to, you know, explore for. Uh, Copper projects and some of these other ones require a lot more drilling to to upgrade, and so gold, you know, for them is 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 easier, and juniors prefer that. And also, the retail market has a tendency to prefer uh, gold over over uh, other commodities, so it's an easy one to sell. But what we saw last year was, uh, you know, more being allocated to base metals into the uh, you know the battery uh, metal market and especially commodities like like your lithiums and that and and that's really the question is that in 2022 is that trend going to continue like will the sort of and I won't say apathetic but uh, right now uh, not a strong sentiment for precious metals translate into the financing risk into a financing risk for these uh, junior gold companies uh, such that it might be easier for these other companies to raise money rather than um, uh, the gold or uh, silver juniors. Well, let's dig into that a little bit more. Um, I mean, I think there's the potential that there, for want of a better phrase, maybe some gold fatigue out there. Um, Paradigm Capital put out a, a research note, um, I think it was this week or last week, uh, the gold price fell 4.4% in 2021. Um, the the Overall, gold stocks fell about 7.4%. Uh, sorry, the senior gold stocks fell 7.4% yeah. overall. The intermediates share prices lost 16% on average. Junior share prices were down about 20% on average. Um, so it's, you know, 
last year was a tough year for gold stocks. Yeah, well, the thing is, with if we if we if we dissect that with with the majors and anybody into bad gold price, I mean, we're not talking about when gold price went down to you know a thousand dollars sixty when it went from nineteen eighty down to ten sixty um, you know in the last cycle. We're still at about eighteen hundred, and it seems to be holding out. Uh, you know, the question is if if um, if interest rates uh, uh, go higher. Uh, what's the impact on real rates while we're having this issue with uh, with inflation? For a company that's that's producing gold, if gold stabilizes at about eighteen hundred or sits in that window between seventeen hundred and nineteen hundred, the problem is their costs aren't sitting there. Their costs are actually going up. Labor, energy, um, uh, everything's going up for them, and so uh, you know the forecast is for more of a shrinking margin. So that's that's on the um, operating side, but I mean, if you're sustaining capital, your uh, development capital, and what we talked about in the last session about you know with Magino, are you know are we going to see capital escalation as well? And so your development decisions are if you're already in development stage, you know that's going to be another thing for for these uh, gold companies. And, and any of these companies really to look at, but but with uh, you know uh, a copper company or a, a nickel company, they might find it easier to get funding because in the end they're producing a commodity that you know that a smelter wants, that uh, you know a car company wants, like whomever wants, and such that they might have more access to finance uh, financing than, than than maybe a gold company. Well, let's look into that a bit more, Joe. Um, last year, we saw, specifically in the second half of the year, we saw quite a few transactions in the, the copper space and the battery metal space, both with bigger companies, uh, people such as BHP and uh, Wailu sort of trying to buy smaller companies, but also downstream companies in the sort of battery metals chain looking to get into um, raw materials production, noticeably with companies out of Asia, specifically China, getting into the sort of lithium space, the lithium brine space in uh, Argentina. Um, last year, we also started seeing uh, the emergence of a, a number of new copper exploration juniors, and there were several IPOs. Got some numbers here. Um, Hot Chili raised $34 million Canadian in December with its Toronto Stock Exchange IPO. Solis Minerals in Australia did an IPO, 5.5 million Australian. Arizona Sonoran Copper IPO'd in November, raised, uh, let's say, 47 million Canadian. Other financings, Libero Copper, upsized 8.3 million. Uh, American Pacific Mining, oversubscribed placement of $10 million Canadian. Um, there seems to be a lot of money becoming available for copper and copper exploration. Absolutely. I, I would think that, uh, but, but I would say that probably the investor base that's in, you know, that, that that the retail sector that would be investing in these juniors for copper and lithium, let's say nickel and that, it's still a smaller base than 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 for precious metals, especially for the gold sector. And so even if that grows, uh, that would be hard to compensate, you know, a significant fall with the gold sector, because some of these retail investors want anything else but gold juniors. So, um, you know, if we have a drop off of gold juniors, you know, the amount of that that translates is, oh, not gold, let's go into copper. I don't know if that's a one-to-one -one ratio, if the, all that money is going to go into copper, especially in the retail sector. Institutional, potentially, but if you have an institution that only runs 
gold, it'd be harder for them to switch to, to these other metals. But I think the access to financing from other venues as well is, is better for base metals, like the, you know, the ability for a development company to get a smelter offtake agreement for them to find financing with their development company because they're producing copper nickel much easier, I think, than a, copper, than a gold development story right now. Okay, so um, with the start of 2022, looking ahead, um, the, the outlook for gold is perhaps more for more at the moment for more of the same, you know, what we saw in last year, um, you know, stagnant in some ways. The outlook for base metals and copper battery metals looks positive. So where would you expect uh, money to be raised this year, both in terms of the, the, the type of metal and also sort of jurisdictions? Okay, so I, I would say that the overall... Uh, financing, uh, you know, uh, money that we saw being raised by these juniors will probably fall mostly because of, of gold. So that trend will probably be going down in 2022. And then when we see the allocation, what we're going to see probably is more money going a higher proportion. Some of that will be because gold is going down and base metals, even if it was the same, would be a higher proportion. But base metals, copper, nickel, We'll see, uh, you know, lithium. A lot of these battery-related metals definitely sound sexy to people, and so there'll be a lot more money going into that. Um, what we, and then jurisdictionally, the trend was last year's for a very low jurisdictional risk, you know, whatever that means. But it, you know, Canada, Australia, the U.S. got the majority of the money. And so is that trend going to continue? Uh, I think probably will continue. What was also interesting in South America was how we were changing because of the geopolitical uh, you know, changes in South America that basically now it seems like the most right wing uh, president is actually in Ecuador. Yeah. So uh, uh, Chile has now got a new uh, left wing president who was a former student. I think he's 35 years old. You know, we have uh, Castillo in Peru. We've always have the left wing in Argentina. Uh, we've got a right wing person uh, in, uh, in Brazil, but, you know, a bit unstable. So we've seen Brazil heavily metal endowed. We've seen Peru heavily metal endowed. Chile obviously heavily metal down, go down in terms of exploration expenditures directed to these countries versus in Ecuador and Argentina. And most of Ecuador and Argentina I would say is leaning towards into lithium. And so their growth and exploration has been leading to these non-precious metals um, sectors. And, and Peru and Chile have been going down because of, uh, of you know, uh, the idea that, oh, hey, we're going to raise taxes. And so if you're a junior going in there and the majors are sort of pulling back their investment ideas, like, Yanacoche with Newmont, I believe Cerro Verde with, uh, with, with Freeport. So if they're sort of deferring the exploration, I'm sorry, their development or you know, uh, operational expenditures going forward, then, then, then that implies that, oh, you know, who's going to take me out? Who's, who's going to come and you know, invest or help me look for the, because uh, looking for some of these base mount projects takes a lot more money than some of these gold projects. Okay, but um, it seems that you know, people I've spoken with, you know, um, Castile improve hasn't been as bad as people perhaps feared. Um, I'm getting the the message out of Chile that um, uh, 
Um, although Boric is uh, more left-wing, he's, you know, he's got a sensible head on him. If he wants to fund his social programs, he's going to need the mining sector and mining sector income. So he may raise taxes, but he's not otherwise going to necessarily meddle too deeply there. So um, it all seems to be things that the mining sector can and will take in their stride. So, um, you know, with travel starting to slowly starting to normalize and uh, with, with copper, uh, copper demands were going off the charts. Can we expect to see Peru, Chile, et cetera, really start to sort of uplift on their copper exploration? I, I would think that, uh, you know, we should see that. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, the problem is perception. It's not reality, really. It's like what you're saying might be what happens as people realize, you know, who's who's in the skies, uh, uh, you know, going to be helping him in Chile and what kind of advice has he taken. That's going to basically be figured out over the next six to 12 months. And that's when companies will start considering whether they're going to make those billion dollar decisions anymore. But uh, in, in, in Peru, we've seen this guy, you know, we've had him here for about six months and we've seen what he's been doing. And, and you remember we had that, you know, article about Bear Creek and the locals at, uh, you know, around the Karani project going to the presidential palace and that, and then saying, hey, we want this project, which is all great. But then Bear Creek turns around and buys a Mercedes mine in Mexico. So, you know, what signal is that sending to the market saying, okay, looks like the locals are supporting your project. The management's focus should be on developing this, you know, multi hundreds of million dollar uh, silver project in Peru. So why are you going to buy this, uh, you know, for me, I mean, I covered it under Premier, uh, it, you know, it's been a pretty marginal underground project uh, in, in Mexico. Why, why would you buy that? So, I mean, that's sort of suggesting to me that, oh, you know, maybe it's not all hunky-dory down in, uh, for Karani, because, uh, you know, it's not only the locals there uh, right around the project uh, that matter, it's downstream. And from what I gather, I mean, uh, uh, the downstream are the Aymari Indians who are around Lake Titicaca that don't want the project. So, uh, yeah, so I... You know, I, I'm seeing different signals, you know, in terms of uh, what's going on. But what I see is that, which, you know, one thing that doesn't change and is if the, if, if the population, whether they're right there or downstream, don't want the project, whichever government we're talking about, it's going to be hard. It's going to be as difficult as it has ever been to, to, to build these projects. So... It, you know, regardless of the, you know, if you have a left-wing, right-wing government, if the locals are supporting you and you're doing all the right things, you know, there's a high probability you'll get the project built. Uh, uh, and, and that's your really biggest risk mitigation. Like, like what we just saw in, in Argentina, you know, Argentina's seen M&A in the lithium space. And so there's a lot of exploration going to the lithium in, in, in Northwest Argentina, where, where I used to work in Salta, Jujuy, those areas, you know, are thought of pretty well. And we've always known that Argentina is provincial, it's not federal. You know, Santa Cruz is good, San Juan is good, where we see the Jose Maria consolidation with the uh, Lundy Mining. We know Mendoza is not good. And then Chubut, we saw, you know, them saying, okay, we want to have a new zoning law such that we, uh, you know, Pan American could basically build their big open pit Navidad project. One or two days later, they repealed that law. 
uh, because, you know, the people granted not living in, in that area in Gastre decided they didn't want that project. Not decided, they'd already said that, but they were against that new zoning law. And so th these situations will continue regardless of who's running what. And, and in Chubut, that governor was in favor of the project, but that still hasn't, you know, uh, brought that project forward. I think uh, as an aside there, we can also comment that um, it does seem to be the case that oftentimes miners and developers um, underestimate perhaps the area of direct influence in terms of communities. They, they draw their perimeter and the communities outside of that perimeter often want some of the benefits. They want to share the benefits and they certainly don't want to share all the, uh, all the negatives, all the costs or impacts. Exactly. Because um, they don't get all the benefits. It's, it's that, that's that, like, let's, let's take Alaska and let's look at uh, something like trilogy and, um, you know, the Alaska uh, government, state government is basically permitting that access road from, uh, from the Dalton highway to the Ambler district where trilogy and South 32 have their Arctic and Bornite projects. You know, that's, that was a right of way that was provided uh, to them from, you know, years and years ago, and now they're permitting it. And it's, it's not the, 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 the native corp Nana that's right there at the project that are sort of delaying it right now. It's, it's those ones that are along the road that live these subsistence, uh, you know, hunting uh, livelihoods that are questioning the road because, hey, uh, um, you know, are you going to grant it public access? Because we don't want the public gaining access to this area. So what assurances do we have that that's never going to happen? So that might require more work on their part to make sure that these people are, uh, you know, not only get the reassurances that they need and potentially get compensated as well, which maybe under the law, they don't need to. But if they really want a sustainable relationship with these people when they're driving concentrate trucks back and you know uh, to the Dalton Highway and then building stuff back up they're going to need these relationships and, and that's really behooves uh, the state government uh, which is a, a proponent of the road uh, to do and uh, to do the right thing and and I don't think it's an NGO thing in the end it's it's, it's that sort of local if, you, if you've got those local native corps and those groups on your side no NGO could could basically derail your project well, roads are certainly can be a contentious issue. The MNG's Las Bambas mine, which um, I think uh, 40 or 50 days uh, blockade shut last year because of road protests and communities. Um, OK, well, let, let's sort of draw to the end here and um, we're going to put you on the spot. Um, oh. Forecast for 2022. Give me a forecast of something. Forecast. Well, it's snowing here and I figured it'll snow for a weather. Something Not mining related. related, please, Joe. Something mining related. Okay. Okay. So I, I think I could sum up what I think is going to happen with, with uh, the expiration trends going forward. Okay. So all these companies have raised all this money. We've had delayed results. And now those results are coming out. And so we'll see in the first quarter, in the first month or so, how that's translating in terms of their ability to, to get money. And I, and I think what's going to happen is... You know, scale is going to be very important, continues to be very important. It was important for the mega mergers, but now that scale issue is going to go down such that these companies have to go up and they have to consolidate, get bigger scale to, to, to basically access money. 
you know, better liquidity, more projects, better management teams. And, and I think we're going to see that continue. And that M&A might not reap you a 60% premium or anything. It might still be these merger of equals sort of things, but it'll give you that scale. And I think scale is very important uh, going forward. And that will uh, get you better financing. Uh, and, and so the little junior that, uh, you know, uh, thinks he can, you know, that'll be harder to do. You're going to have to get a little bit more liquidity. And so hopefully that'll reduce a lot of the noise with the 1600 junior miners that are out there and give you more quality to pick. And that might be in the gold sector, base metals, lithium, what have you. And I, I would hope that that would be something that we could see coming out on the other side, because the, the amount of financing that we saw last year allowed everything to get funded. I don't think that'll be the case uh, this year. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be too sustainable. And in line with that, I think it's worth noting that uh, yesterday, uh, the shareholders of Calibri and uh, Fiore both uh, agreed to the, the, the proposed merger there. Is yeah, and, and I think that that, yeah. that that makes sense and gives you a bit of diversification and uh, gives you more liquidity, uh, you know, and I think all companies are, are, are looking at that. They don't want to be labeled like, hey, I've only got assets in Nicaragua or something like that. And suddenly I can't have access to this capital. So if you've got a good operating team, they can work in multiple jurisdictions. They would be the consolidator. And I can see that happening that the good management teams will be able to be backed to consolidate. I think uh, also Calibri just put out their uh, 2021 uh, production and what's it, 250,000 ounces? It was huge. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't look, I didn't look, but I, I noticed that, you know, quarterly that they, they, they'd done a really good job with, with their hub and spoke model. And uh, uh, Darren Hall, that I used to know when I worked for uh, Newmont is a, is a great operator. And I met him again when uh, he basically helped new market consolidate all the uh, different operations that uh, crocodile gold had in uh, had in uh, australia which you know ended up being the flagship uh, fosterville project and they were just discovering that uh, that non-refractory high-grade antimony related gold mineralization at that time so uh, darren hall for me is, is is a great operator so i'm really not surprised that they've done a good job there and let me just correct that number. Their production was 182,755 ounces. So a good job there. Cool. Okay. Well, I think that sets us up for the, for the year ahead, Joe. Um, I imagine we're going to have a lot of interesting things to talk about as, uh, as the year progresses. Um, so, you know, happy new year. Hopefully you have a, a successful and prosperous 2022. And uh, we'll do another mining podcast again in a, in a week or so's time, a couple of weeks time. Great. Thank you very much, Paul. We'll talk to you later. Happy 2022.